This is Dr. Ronald Hoffman. As you know, I'm a big proponent of CBD to tonify the endocannabinoid system. I've found that it helps people relax and can support restful sleep, a real breakthrough in herbal products. The CBD brand I take personally and recommend to my patients is Plus CBD from CV Sciences. And now I'm excited about a new natural wellness line from Plus CBD, CBD Calm and CBD Sleep. CBD Calm helps ease tension, soothe irritability, and contributes to a greater sense of contentment through a blend of Plus CBD's award-winning full-spectrum CBD, plus L-theanine and 5-HTP. CBD Sleep aids occasional sleeplessness with CBD plus melatonin as well as soothing magnolia bark extract and relaxing lemon balm so you can get the rest you need and wake up alert and focused. Both products are backed by science with clinically researched active ingredients. To learn more and to order, visit pluscbdoil.com Hoffman and use coupon code Hoffman30 for 30% off. That's pluscbdoil.com slash Hoffman. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. It's our weekly opportunity to converse with you via email. Radio program at AOL.com is the destination for questions. It's Q&A with Layla. That means Layla Mutant joins me. She's our nutritionist in residence. And together we're going to field your questions and air your comments. Radio program at AOL.com is the destination for questions. Hi, Layla. How are you doing? Okay, Dr. Hoffman. How are you? Good. And uh, today we're commemorating a milestone of sorts. Hmm. We just crossed the threshold of 9 million downloads of the Intelligent Medicine. Holy Moses. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Intelligent Medicine Podcast. That's really uh, something. 9 million. So, um, that's, and I, correct me if I'm wrong, I think we did this, we started about four or five years ago. Yeah. Uh, so over that time, you know, it was first, it was very thrilling to cross the 1 million milestone. Yeah. And before we knew it, it was 3 million and then it was 5 million. Right. And now it's 9 million. Yeah. And uh, so I did a little calculation. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you know how many, if uh, one podcast were downloaded every minute, do you know how long it would take to download 9 million podcasts? No. <laughs> Not 9 million minutes? <laughs> a lot of minutes. 17 years. <gasps> 17. 17 years. Oh it would take 17. So if you, if you had listened, well, you know. Wow. I mean, if, if they're on average like 40 minutes, we could do the math on that because I'm saying what, so multiply 17 by 40. Yeah, 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 yeah. 17 yeah. by 40 is about, uh, it would take about uh, 400 years. Oh my goodness. <laughs> if you listen to them. If you listen to them. Oh my well, goodness. Not that we have recorded 9 million. Right. It only feels like 9 million. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but they've been downloaded 9 million times. Yeah. Okay. So, we, I mean, in a year, though, we mm-hmm. do, you know, you do one a week. Yes. And I do, uh, you know, three or four, sometimes five. And yeah. during COVID, I did six. Oh, boy. So, let's say on average during a year, 50 weeks of the year, because we take some time off, mm. uh, you know, 50 times on average uh, four. Yeah. Is, uh, two, is 200. 200 per year times, uh, four years is, you know, getting up towards a thousand. Wow. A thousand, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and one fifth of them are mm-hmm. Q, Q's and A's with Layla. Right, right, Cause right. Cause we do right, about right. 50 of those a year. We actually are pretty faithful about it because we don't miss no, we don't. hardly uh, no. a week. 
Mm-hmm. You know, even vacation time, sometimes it's like, okay, you know, we're at yeah. home, you know, let me uh, yeah. Skype you and you exactly. know, we'll bang it out. It takes 45 right. minutes. We enjoy doing it. Right. And we keep up with your questions. Exactly. So anyway, we appreciate very much uh, that you, our audience, are faithfully listening because that's mm-hmm. what motivates us to continue and all the nice feedback that we get from you. So we appreciate it. And uh, without further ado, let's get into questions. You know, of course, a lot's happening on the uh, COVID front. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we could talk about COVID uh, ad nauseum, Ugh. but let's uh, proceed to your questions. Yes, we've got one from Judy. Hi, Dr. Hoffman and Layla. Recently, Layla spoke about farm and wild fish, farmed and wild fish, but I'm still a little confused. Whenever I'm on the east coast of Florida, restaurants will say their fish is wild from the Atlantic Ocean. I was under the assumption that yeah. the fish from there is farm-raised. Also, I see... That's, a, that's an oxymoron. It is. Because it, it, it's... It, there, the last time there were yeah. wild salmon, you know, probably was in the 19th century. They used to have wild salmon. Sure. They used to go up the uh, rivers... Right. ...from the ocean Exactly. Here. They would swim uh, upstream. But that, it's yeah. not happening on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is happening on the West Coast. Right. But to a lesser and lesser extent, yeah. unfortunately. So Alaska, she says, big time, yeah, Washington State. Exactly. Puget, Puget That's South. salmon in particular. Salmon, of course. Yeah, she's talking about fish. Wild. Yeah, from, from is wild from the Atlantic Ocean. Well, I guess what they mean to say is wild. species, perhaps. Right, right. Yeah. No, here's the thing. I think the, the distinction to be made is it wasn't a farm-raised fish. It was one that they caught in the ocean, like going fishing right. and catching, right. you know, on a boat, right. not in a farm pen. I caught a nice Spanish mackerel, you know, with a fishing rod yeah. a few years back. And yeah. It's a good eating fish. <laughs> Makes nice sushi. Judy says, I was under the assumption that the fish from there is farm-raised. No, not unless there are fish farms. It has to specify farm-raised, that mm-hmm. particular fish that you're or getting. Or should Although yeah. there is some deceit involved in that, because That's I true. think a few years there's back, a lot of deceit involved. Yeah, I think in the that. Times ran an expose on it, and they found that mm-hmm. uh, to a high degree, they were substituting the more expensive you know, for more more expensive, uh, uh, yeah, natural seafood. seafood. They were they were using other fish and right. calling it other fish. Exactly. They were called, they were branding farm raised. Uh, you know, uh, what, what's the alternative? Farm raised is uh, you know, free caught fish. Yeah. Wild caught. Wild caught. Wild caught, mm-hmm. that kind of a thing. I was under the assumption, she says, that fish from there... All right. Also, I see organic fish sold in stores. I thought there was no such thing. There is a such thing as organic farm-raised fish. Right. Meaning, Which, yeah. they're not adding any crap into the water. They're feeding them... Or antibiotics. Or, or antibiotics, yeah. exactly. Yeah. No antibiotics. Which is there. a frequent the practice. The fish meal is better yeah. than what it would be in regular farm raising. Mm-hmm. These are the differences. So, Judy, when it's wild caught from the Atlantic or any body of water, it means a fisherman went and got it from the ocean. Mm-hmm. That's what that means. Right. Farm raised means it was raised in a controlled right. pen, you know, a smaller body of water, and... and the organic means it was clean. It was raised without and antibiotics. Let's look at the, at the pros and cons of that because, yeah. to some extent, uh, you are what you eat eats. That's true. And if you feed like a corn feed to fish mm. to make them grow, and that's uh, what they do in the regular farm race. Yeah. Then, then their omega, their fat composition will be skewed towards omega six. Yes. Plus, uh, they are often farmed in coastal regions which are higher in PCBs. Yes. And they bioaccumulate PCBs. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. That can happen with wild caught fish, That's like true. Uh, 
uh, I mean, every body bass, of water, everybody of bass, water, yeah. except any body of water near like Iceland or Greenland maybe is probably cleaner mm-hmm. or Antarctica, you know, yeah. or something like that. But everywhere is going to have some runoff. Right. However, of, of it does something. not, uh, having wild caught fish does not preclude the possibility of mercury. That's true. Because mercury is yeah. present in, in. It's, it's present in the Atlantic Ocean. Right. So anything that is wild caught really in any body of water. You know, it's going to have... Especially the going to have larger bodied fish, mm-hmm. longer lived fish. The longer lived. And the ones highest in mercury, we can name them. Shark. Nobody's eating shark. Swordfish. You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. <laughs> it's true. Swordfish, tuna, king mackerel, tilefish. Tilefish. Orange roughy. Right. Okay. Those are, Those are the and, the and the salmon relatively low in mercury, but salmon that is farmed could be high in PCBs. True. There's some people... And Atlantic salmon. ...adamant too. about urging people to have wild-caught salmon. Unfortunately, salmon is so popular that it's just not sustainable it's to not. feed the world on wild-caught salmon. Right. So, I, you know, I make a bit of a compromise. I try to get organic. Exactly. And it's expensive. It is. Uh, organic farmed. Yeah. So they, they farm it with a little higher measure of quality, possibly. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the best really we can do. Yeah. Yeah. So... Uh, other things to look for are sustainable. Like, it wouldn't be sustainable to feed the world wild-caught salmon, as you say. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there is some farm raising there. So, Judy, we hope that clears that up for you. So, Or, when, or move to Seattle. You know. Right. So, when the restaurant says their fish is wild from the Atlantic Ocean, it means they were fished out of the Atlantic Ocean. It wasn't a farm-raised fish that you're eating. Or else it's a misnomer. You know, yeah, it could be. Yeah, could be. Because there's a lot of deception. And by the way, there's not a lot of federal standards on this. That's true. So it's a bit of a, a self-declared... And a not, not a lot of inspections either right. on it, it's which a, is it's, very troubling. It's not a category. Like organic produce, there's a little. There's an organic produce association and there's yeah. a, a, inspections. And I don't know how much that applies to fish. Not a lot. I think it's sort of a self-attestation mm-hmm. with fish. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. Okay, we've got a question here from Nate. I suffer from tingling in my hands and fingers. This problem doesn't happen anywhere else. Not doesn't not in his feet or toes, only in his hands and fingers. Would supplementing with B1, like Zobria, help? What about other supplements like B12, B6? Also, I'd, w- I'd welcome any other therapies or testing you recommend. Yeah, you, when it happens in your hands or fingers... Mm-hmm. Uh, it's appropriate to get uh, nerve conduction studies mm-hmm. from a neurologist or get uh, neck films uh, or uh, MRIs to see if there's a compression of the nerves coming down from your neck. Ah, uh, so uh-huh. typically in uh, neuropathy, yeah. uh, it mostly manifests in the feet and then it can manifest later in the hands. So I would get a workup to find out what the cause of it is. Maybe there's some remediation yeah. Uh, carpal tunnel can be treated, mm-hmm. uh, which sometimes causes compression of the nerves in the hand. Yeah. And, uh, you know, or there may be some autoimmune thing causing it, or B12 deficiency Definitely certainly B12 is worth looking at. But B12 at, right? deficiency, usually you get it in all your extremities, mm. uh, first in the feet and then right. in the hands. And so um, I'm not thinking B12, although, I mean, look, B12. It's it, worth getting. Checked. It, it's worth a try. I mean, and the other thing is, of course, diabetic neuropathy. But diabetic neuropathy usually starts in the feet. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, B one could be helpful for that. 
the more bioavailable form is uh, benfotiamine, which is yes. in the product Zobria, mm -hmm. uh, and that can be helpful for uh, numbness and tingling. Yeah. But I'd I figure out what's going on here first. And the other thing is, people typically, and you hear this too, they say, it's worse when I wake up. Well, why is it worse when you wake up? Well, you know, in case of funny twisty positions, and I like prop my pillows, and my neck is at a funny angle. And especially as you get older, there can be compression of the nerves that emanate from the spine in the neck, ah. and then go down to your hands. So you get like kind of a, um, yeah, it's like... Yeah. It's like, a, you know, uh, when you bang your elbow, you get like a... Oh, that funny bone. Ouch. The funny bone thing, you know, uh, which is basically the nerve getting stunned. Yeah. 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 So, Nate, so get a workup. Get a workup. All right. Um, <clears throat> Good point at which to pause because we want to allow one of our sponsors this opportunity to share a vital message with you. So here goes. Listen up. This episode of Intelligent Medicine is brought to you by Protocol for Life Balance, offering a wide range of professional-grade products using ingredients backed by strong scientific research. Among them, several stand out for relief of occasional minor aches and pains of overexertion, ache action, MSM, and hyaluronic acid. This suite of products may help to support a healthy response to normal physiological stress and promotes a balanced response to joint stress, flexibility, and mobility. They're backed by solid scientific data, and available now at drhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance. That's drhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance for more information and to order. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting our sponsors. They, of course, are what bring you this wonderful free podcast. And now back to our questions. This is from Larry. Dear Dr. Hoffman and Layla, I currently take both lysine and arginine. It appears that they compete with each other. Is it unwise to take them together? Well, on the basis that they compete with one another, you might say it might be a good idea to hedge your bets. Yes. You know, it's like having stocks and bonds. Right, right. <laughs> you, know? you, you kind of want both. <laughs> right. When stocks go up, the bonds go down. When the bonds yeah. go up, the stocks go down. Yeah. And you want a balanced portfolio. So that, that's not necessarily bad. Mm -hmm. I mean, it kind of depends on what your goal is. Uh, it, there's actually evidence that both may be helpful for immunity. Yes. Um, so, and they are. And arginine is an essentially, uh, it's an essential amino acid, at least in babies. Conditionally adults, essential. It's yeah. conditionally essential. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so that, that it's an important amino acid, but so is lysine. Nitric oxide. Nitric oxide, exactly. Mm -hmm. It has some. So for blood pressure and all of that. And lysine is also very helpful in immunity. Uh, so antiviral a, properties. Antiviral. Yeah. So, right. You know, Larry, think of it this way. You know, it's like if you take zinc and copper, they also antagonize. Calcium and magnesium. Exactly. Yeah. They, they're meant to be kind of balanced out. So mm -hmm. you, you kind of want both. Mm -hmm. And nature gives it to you in your food. You get both the balance of arginine and lysine, at least in most of your animal protein. Not so much in your plant-based stuff. So uh, is it unwise to take them together? Absolutely not. That's the way it's also in your food. So that would be a good way to take it. Yeah, nature's package. Yeah. Has the thinking about arginine changed in a negative way? No. Arginine is still very much as important as it was. That hasn't changed. Larry has another question. It's the pirate amino acid. Arginine. Arginine. <laughs> Arg. Yeah, there's, he's got another question. What are the anti-aging effects of lithium? So Ooh. apparently lithium, mm -hmm. by inhibiting the enzyme GSK3, 
lithium may promote longevity, slow brain aging, improve health parameters, and uh, this is actually... And make you happy. And make you happy. Yeah, that's a bit of an too. antidepressant. Yeah. So the wide-ranging benefits of lithium, here are a few bullet points. Okay. Okay. Uh, first, it's a trace mineral found in the Earth's crust mm-hmm. and therefore in some but not all drinking water. Mm-hmm. And studies suggest that GSK3 inhibition, which is what lithium does, is also largely responsible for lithium's ability to protect brain function mm-hmm. and extend lifespan. Mm-hmm. And even at low doses, lithium has been associated right. with decreased no. all-cause mortality. So we have to distinguish between the use of lithium in high doses yeah. for bipolar disorder. It's yeah. very effective because it seems to calm down that nerve pathway that results mm-hmm. in these uh, wide mood swings. Mm. And you know, smaller amounts are... you. The way they do it in psychiatry is they test your lithium levels. They go, oh, you're, you're not taking enough. It's like too low. You've got to reach a certain threshold for it to be effective. Yeah. But it, there is an argument to be made that a small amount may have some salutary effects for people with mild dysphoria or just ordinary people, like a little bit of a mood lifter. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been theorized that one of the reasons why FDR liked to go to Warm Springs, Georgia, you know, he oh, was yes. he he was uh, had the polio, spa, yeah. and he liked to swim in a in a lithium rich uh, mm-hmm. pool, and it was like natural Warm Springs. Yeah, uh, that uh, he was getting all that lithium from the water. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what's called an apocryphal story. It's not entirely <laughs> demonstrated that that's what uh, won World War II for us. You know? Oh my gosh! But you know. So I remember you and I talked about something, it had to be at least a year ago, about there was some article that surmised about talking about putting lithium in the water, so just everybody became happier. Mm-hmm. So uh, long-term lithium intake from drinking water may be associated with a lower risk of being diagnosed with dementia. Mm-hmm. Well, so I this guess, might be something. Yeah, and there are lithium supplements over the counter, low yes. dose. So they're in the range of like, I don't know, two, four, six milligrams when mm-hmm. for bipolar you need 300. Yeah. So that's to give yeah. you like almost like kind of homeopathic doses. Right, of that. right. Uh, they say in one city, a micro dose of just 300 micrograms. Oh, micro, that's 0.3 yeah. milligrams. Of lithium yeah. significantly okay. decreased cognitive de- decline Well, in and Alzheimer's. What's the source on that? Life extension? This is life extension. Yeah, I figured. You know, because yeah. life extension likes to go a little, uh, shall we say, uh, on the cutting edge. Yes. On uh, the bleeding edge. The bleeding edge. Of supplementation. Yeah. yeah. And Likely they have a lithium supplement. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, yeah. So it's interesting stuff. Larry, thank you for that very thoughtful question. There's so many things that are potentially anti-aging out there. Oh yeah. Well, that's and it's the it's the latest thing. Nobody people just don't want to get older. They certainly don't want to die and mm-hmm. uh, you know, mm-hmm. to have their faculties for as long as possible. Yeah, I, it's a good thing. I take a lot of things. I haven't included lithium. No. No, I haven't included lithium either. So, this is from Mark. Mark says, "I was diagnosed with high blood pressure about a year ago. I was pres- prescribed lisinopril." I also began eating a mostly plant-based diet. I have now had a blood uh, test that, that shows... Double trouble. Double trouble. Right? Yeah. Probably that DASH diet. Yeah. Shoot. Yeah. I, I have now had a blood test that shows elevated potassium levels. Yeah. My primary care physician suggests that I cut back on high potassium foods, which are most of the things I eat. 
I wonder if the problem is being caused by the lisinopril. It can be, because right? lisinopril is a potassium-sparing ah. uh, antihypertensive medication. Mm-hmm. So it is one of the known problems. And, you know, yeah. anytime you eat a lot of plant food, plants have a lot of potassium. Mm. So, yeah, mm-hmm. very good. Well, these high blood pressure medications can also adversely impact the kidneys. That could cause potassium or, to go on. Or alternatively protect the kidneys. Because yes. there, there is some argument for people with a mild, uh, you know, chronic kidney disease, CKD, to take a blood pressure medication to prevent yeah. high blood pressure from further deteriorating the kidneys. Right. So you're, you're right. It, they can impair kidney function, but uh, yeah. certain of them are reasonable. And lisinopril has, I think, a somewhat of a an evidence base for protecting the kidneys from mm-hmm. hypertensive mm-hmm. damage. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's unfortunate. I mean, it may be that through this plant-based diet and exercise, you can get on less lisinopril. And that'd be, that's, that, to me, yeah. would be more the solution than... You know, it's like you got it. Look, here's you got the lisinopril and you got the plant-based diet. So the doctor says eat less plants. Yeah. Maybe take less lisinopril. Yes, <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Right. And Mark, if you lose five to seven percent of your body weight, that can also yep. help. Yep, just to bring 10, down your blood pressure. 10, 12, 15 pounds, and your yeah. blood pressure uh, medications can usually be reduced or eliminated. Yeah, and exercise, okay. and, ex- and exercise, absolutely, yeah. and more cardio than strength training for high blood pressure. In fact. People with very high blood pressure need to be careful with strength training because that anaerobic exercise can cause that blood pressure to, to really surge, yeah. shoot up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that could be like bench pressing. a problem. Yeah, you don't want to do 300 pounds you when know, you've got hypertension. You're, you're, this is a Valsalva maneuver. And you know, I, yeah. actually, there occasionally, and I actually, uh, a friend of mine, his kid had this. You know, his, his kids love to like lift weights and they want to get awesome looking. And the kid was bench pressing, he had a stroke. You know, oh my goodness! Yeah, because it's too much uh, intracranial pressure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's terrible. I mean, it's rare, and it might be that yeah. some people are predisposed. They have they have congenital aneurysms, which are undetected, and then under high pressure, they yeah. burst. So, wow. the, so that's one of the ways where a young man mm-hmm. uh, can have a stroke. Yeah. Wow. But you know, look. The, the benefits of, of strength training outweigh the, the downsides. That's true. That's true. And that's a rare occurrence, as yep. you say. Rare. So, uh, Mark, yeah, you know, uh, I, I hate the idea of avoiding foods that are high in potassium. Maybe you need to rebalance that with a little bit of uh, well, salt from your salt shaker. It, it, it could, no, it, it don't help. Because no. uh, yeah. um, some people just juicing, juicing, juicing. That's how you could get that's there. That's a lot of potassium. Yeah. yeah. So maybe just the whole fruits and vegetables instead yeah. of the juices. Eat the salad. Eat your bowl of salad. Don't put that bag of kale or spinach into your juicer mm-hmm. or do anything like that. So you're better off eating your uh, your vegetables. Very, very important. Okay, we have... Oh, this is from Fran. Another mouse study. Yay. Dr. Hoffman. These mice are really... Good. What, do we, what do we cure this time in oh, mice? Oh, my gosh. It seems to indicate that calorie restriction is more beneficial than a keto-type diet. It says here, cutting off cell supplies of lipids right. can slow down the growth of tumors in mice. Okay. Well, I really have to question that because when you're fat burning, it's lipids and it's ketones, and that well, would be beneficial. Well, you know, for I, there, an argument could be made hmm. that any dietary excess 
fuels cancer growth, and that uh, a ketogenic diet uh, should be somewhat calorically restricted. It shouldn't be like massive amounts of caloric fat. Yeah. Yeah. On the other hand, there's a mouse study, and you know, yes. like again, you know, we have to point out that mice generally don't eat a lot of fat, right? Except maybe cheese, but in that you know, mouse trap or that bit of peanut butter. The mice evolved over you know m- millions of years before there was cheese. Mm-hmm. They just like cheese, cause, right? Because right. it's available. It's like pizza wrap. I mean, oh, the, remember that. Pe- <laughs> Pizza rats, uh, you know, ancestor, you know, ten million years a Golden ago, Globe. wasn't eating pizza or some kind of YouTube award or something like that, right? Yeah. Oh They're my gosh. Omnivorous. Well, the premise of this is interesting because we're talking about uh, they're talking about cutting off the lipid supply. They say that lipid shortages impair tumor growth. Okay. Because cancer cells need lipid to construct their cell. Membranes. Well, that may be true. Yeah. But to what extent can you do that? Because even on a fairly skimpy, uh, low-fat diet, yeah, people get plenty of viral disorders. You know, true. I mean, if that were the case, we could have everybody go on a very low-fat diet. We'd be curing AIDS. We'd be curing COVID. We'd be curing all these things. You know, I don't know necessarily. Yeah, that's probably not going to work. Eat, uh, maybe in a yeah. mouse. In a mouse. Right. In a mouse model. In the mouse. Right. No. So the purpose of these studies isn't necessarily to recommend a diet, well, but it's to understand so, the underlying biology. But, but let's compare the diets. You know, there's one, the ketogenic diet for mm-hmm. cancer, and the other is the CR, caloric-restricted diet yeah. in cancer. And, um, you know, there's some research on caloric restriction because caloric restriction reduces IGF-1. Yes. Which is a, uh, which is a, a growth fuel factor for cancer. For cancer growth yeah. factor for cancer. Mm-hmm. And so... The other thing is that in a calorically restricted diet, you're having less of everything. Yeah. Uh, which could, any number of things could be building blocks for cancer. Yeah. Uh, and certainly less glucose, which we know is a fuel for cancer. Yes. PET scans rely on glucose to mm-hmm. target cancer, mm-hmm. uh, to see where the cancer is growing, because there's a lot of uptake of glucose where cancer is growing. Um, ketogenic diet takes care of that, but doesn't mean that ketogenic diet is invariably effective for curing cancer, because... Yeah. Uh, cancers can take advantage of other things. Other fuels, right, right. Now, interestingly, Thomas Seyfried, out of, I think he's out of Yale, uh, his book is uh, Cancer is a Metabolic Disease. Right. He does both with ketogenic and caloric restriction. Right. That's, yeah, combine that, the That might be the powerhouse. And also, uh, you encourage apoptosis yes. with... Which is, which is cell death, programmed cell death. Right. Which we want these immortalized cancer cells to curl up and die. Yeah. So we want to promote apoptosis. Certain supplements promote apoptosis uh, mm-hmm. or apoptosis. Apoptosis is the way I like to say it. Yeah. I don't yeah. know if the P is pronounced or silent. Yeah. Uh, so the another thing that he likes to block is uh, the uptake of certain amino acids. Like glutamine. Glutamine. Right. Yeah. L-glutamine is mm-hmm. one. It's a double-edged sword with L-glutamine. Right. It's like if you're on a chemotherapy, you need the L-glutamine because of the side effects. It will protect that it can against cause. neuropathy. It will protect against yeah. certain problems. It also protects the gut from the adverse effects, yes. and, and it will also reduce mucositis, which mm. is this uh, you know uh, so mouth sores in yeah. chemo. But yeah. you know, I don't think it's a problem to do it during chemo, but I wouldn't do it long term after. Yeah, because uh, that's the time where you want to hit the cancer hard for a short time, and then you know. You can stop the glutamine. Yeah. Um, all right. You know, yeah. it's complicated. 
complicated. It's complicated. And I know some practitioners will use some glutamine, but never above a certain amount anymore in a cancer patient or something. Right. I think it's, uh, yeah, yeah. All right, it's time to flip the 45 over and uh, go to side two. Yeah. Um, you know, this was, I want to hold your hand. Next side, side two is, I want to be your man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what's inside two? Help, I have a high lipoprotein oh, little help. A. That's help, a- that's the one, right. <laughs> okay, so uh, uh-huh. more beetle selections on side two. Yes. I'm Dr. Robert Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast, our weekly Q&A with Layla. We'll be right back.